Welcome to Propel, a podcast by Fellowship Pacific to propel you and your ministry forward in the mission God has for you. I'm your host, Jessica Powell, and in today's episode, we are kicking off season four with a conversation about evangelism. Now, evangelism is one of those things that we know is important, but if we're honest, many of us still struggle with it, both as individuals and as churches. That's why I think you're really going to appreciate this conversation that I got to have with Shayla Visser. Shayla is the National Director of Alpha Canada, as well as Global Senior Vice President for Alpha International, and she is passionate about introducing people to Jesus. You'll get to listen in as Shayla talks about what is most important in the way that we share our faith, how to deal with the inevitable fear that comes up when it's time to invite someone to church or to a program like Alpha, and why evangelism is actually one of the best tools to grow your own faith and that of your congregation. I was so encouraged after talking with Shayla, and I know you will be too after listening. So let's get to it. Here's my conversation with Shayla Visser. Hi, Shayla, and welcome to the Propel Podcast. Thanks, Thanks Jessica. Yeah, thanks so much for coming on. It's great to have you here. Um, For those who are listening who are not already familiar with Shayla, uh, Shayla is the National Director of Alpha Canada, as well as the Global Senior Vice President for Alpha International. Uh, She's the executive producer of both the Alpha Youth Film Series and the Alpha Film Series. And then on top of all that, Shayla, you were also on the board of both the Damascus Road Foundation and Regent College. Uh, right? That's right. That's, That's right. right. Is there anything else that we should know about you? I'm married for 21 years to Ryan. He's a Vancouver police officer. We don't have children. We have two dogs. And uh, we did get a pandemic puppy named did Benny. You? We adopted him from Mexico. Oh, well, that's adorable. I heard just recently that apparently it's very difficult to find puppies right now. Someone was telling me that there's so much demand that it's hard to find. I know. Isn't that a weird thing? Yeah, we got one and we're so happy. We're dog people. So we've been dog people since early on in our marriage and we both grew up with dogs. So I'm a dog person. Amazing. We are a very pro dog office. Part of why I record at home is because otherwise you would probably hear dogs barking in the background. So that's um, amazing. You could could bring your puppies by our office and they would be very welcome. That's awesome. Usually a dog there. Uh, Well, I'm really excited to have you on today because we've been wanting to talk about on the podcast, reaching people for Jesus. Um, A few years ago, our Fellowship Pacific Churches agreed to four targets that we were committed to reaching. And one of those being uh, that we want to see people coming to Christ every single year in every single church, um, which of course is an easy thing to say yes to. Of course, that's what we want to see. Um, that's what we're all about. But when it comes to actually doing it, especially in a culture that just seems to get more and more opposed to the gospel and to Christianity, that can be a whole other story. So we wanted to talk about that. And I know that this is something that you are very passionate about and really have given your life to. Um, So I was wondering if we could start with uh, maybe you just sharing some of your story. Where does that passion come from? And what was the journey that led you to getting involved in Alpha? Well, I think honestly, it goes back to university days, my family of origin. I grew up with a mom who was very faithful to take us to church. And a dad who didn't go, he went at Christmas and Easter and watching my mom lovingly, you know, try and invite him to things, et cetera, et cetera. And he became a Christian when I was 17. I had given my life to Christ as a teenager, but went to university and sort of put it on the back burner, like many sort of young adults do, which is not good. I don't recommend. Um, But uh, 
But then in the last year, year of university, I met a young woman who really helped me to understand Christ for myself as a young adult and to make a decision for myself, not just I was raised in it, but hey, I'm making a choice to follow Jesus. And for me, it was lordship issue. It was like, oh yeah, you're Lord of my life and I'm going to allow you to be. And, um, and for me, that changed everything. And she was so good about loving me and it just made me want to love other people. And I thought, oh my goodness, I've been in university for a few years and I have all these people who don't know Jesus. I can't believe I'm, I, I come to Christ like this at the end of my university career. And I felt I'd lost out on having an opportunity to witness and share Christ with people. So I moved to Toronto after being at Huron College at the University of Western Ontario and got my first job. And I really had a passion for helping people meet Jesus. And I'm not gifted at it. I don't have some extraordinary evangelism gift where I'm leading someone to the Lord all the time, but rather I just had a passion and desire and a real conviction that true life and flourishing comes in knowing Jesus. And I just wanted it for everyone. So I went into ministry a couple years after graduating, kicking and screaming, by the way, kicking and screaming. Oh, I did really? not want to go into vocational ministry. I thought it sounded horrifying. Um, and now I've been doing it for over 20 years. And uh, it's always those of us who are most kicking and screaming. Yeah. It? And then, I, and the then I'm like, I'm so glad that yeah. uh, I, I was obedient in those moments because I sure didn't want to be. Uh, hmm. But I, I got into vocational ministry in the area of evangelism. I worked for women in leader, leadership, which was part of power to change. And I worked for them for eight and a half years. And during those eight and a half years, things were shifting so much in the culture that kind of our old standard models of how we were helping people find Jesus weren't working. And a lot of staff at that time had heard about Alpha, were trying it in their churches. And so I had heard about it in downtown Vancouver, decided let's try it with business people. And it was so successful. Like it was unbelievable. I think it, within a few years, 250 people working downtown had taken Alpha. Wow. And it wasn't just through me. There was lots of others running it. And we just kept running group after group because there was people interested in having spiritual conversations and work colleagues we're inviting them and we would just get a boardroom and run alpha. So I started to get involved with alpha that way. And then in 2006 became the uh, director of alpha in the workplace globally. And then in 2010 became the national director for alpha Canada. And really my whole passion isn't alpha. Many people think, Oh, you must be so passionate about alpha. No, I'm passionate about yeah. Jesus and yeah. I want everyone to meet Jesus. Alpha happens to be a vehicle for that. And I love it as a vehicle. It aligns with who I am as a person, my personal values, my theological convictions. And so to me, Alpha just became a great vehicle to use as long as it works. And as Nikki Gumbel of the pioneer behind Alpha says, if it stops working, we'll stop using it. We do not need Alpha International to last for forever. We just want people to know Jesus. We will all hop on board for whatever's working. Oh, well, I love that. And I, I love that you said you're not gifted at it. Cause I know that that's, I mean, that's something I struggle with, or you, you see people who seem to, like you said, just like every single day, they're like, Hey, have you met Jesus? And the next thing, you know, the person's like giving their life over and, you know, it's like, no, but everyone can do this. And, um, that's right. Yeah, and I, just, I think that's been my journey all along in life is trying to understand what my role is to play in evangelism. 
Hmm. especially when you don't have the gift. So that's been a big journey for me, even though I work in evangelism work. Right. Which is just so encouraging. That's why we want to hear from you. And, um, you know, so we've talked about Alpha a couple of times. So just to make sure, I'm, I'm sure most, many, many people who are listening are, are familiar with Alpha. I know a lot of our churches use it, but in case there's any who aren't, what's kind of the quick overview of um, Alpha? Yeah, well, Alpha is really an opportunity for people in the church to create an environment where people that would not consider themselves Christians uh, can come into a safe, safe space and uh, they can have a conversation around Jesus. And we invite whomever. I always say if you get an atheist, someone from a different religion, people who are agnostic, you've got a great making of an alpha because <laughs> it really is meant to be for people that have questions and they may not even have questions about Jesus. They have questions about faith and, and purpose and meaning and giving them that safe place and telling them you can be yourself here has been hugely effective and people can run it anywhere. Of course, during COVID people are running it online, but you can run it in a restaurant. You can run it in a boardroom. You can run it on a factory floor. I've heard people run it in tattoo parlors. I mean, you can really run it anywhere. And I just say it's, it's meant to be put in the hands of the church to equip their people, their saints for the work of the ministry. Hmm. Do you think that the fact that it can be run anywhere, is that part of why it, it provides that safety for those who maybe are nervous about entering a church? Yeah, I think so. I mean, Zoom has provided this real safety net. We never would have imagined that people felt safer to be more vulnerable on Zoom than they did in person. Uh, but even in person, creating an environment where people feel safe going into it, it can be a local church, but it also could be a hall that you rent out. It could, there's lots of different environments. You just have to always be putting yourself in the minds of the guests. Hmm. Where would they feel most comfortable? Some have elapsed Christian background. So the church isn't something they're afraid of or they're concerned about. They're like, oh yeah, I'll come check it out. But then there's others who, you know, the church building is an actual barrier. And so you want to create a space, whether it's a home or again, online, that you can create a space where people feel safe. And I think the other thing that helps Alpha be really useful in the hands of churches is because we say, um, Really, it's intended to be a guest host model, not a student teacher model. And mm -hmm. so the people running it don't have to be able to answer every question on theology. They're not, their role is not to teach and correct people who have bad understanding. You can have someone say, you know, I don't think I believe any of this. I don't think, you know, that guy, Nikki, made his the best point about who is Jesus and why did he die? I don't agree with any of it. And rather than me thinking, maybe I'll do a better job than Nikki as the small group leader. I say, that's it. I say, that's interesting. What does anyone else think? And it's remarkable when we rest and allow the Holy spirit to be the facilitator in that sense, to be working and softening hearts. We know yeah. the theology has been presented in a winsome way. But we know that our job is not to convince anyone. That was never our job. The Holy Spirit does that. So we can relax and enjoy the journey with people. And it is a journey, it, more so than it's ever been. It's a journey. People just don't have a Christian background. And those that do often have something that's been quite negative, and that's a hurdle for them. Yeah. I remember hearing, I think it was, I think it was Tim Keller talking about how we've moved past this place where people had what he called the dots of, you know, an understanding of we believe in God or, and, you know, we, there's something in us that needs fixing or, or whatever, and you just have to connect the dots. But now you have to almost create the dots for most people. 
So it does, it's, it's going to take a lot longer because yeah. you have to create the framework even to have the conversation. That's right. That's, so we, we always say we're trying to create an environment where those conversations can happen. Hmm. Cause they're still in there, right? Those questions. That's right. Culturally, the dots aren't there anymore. And, those, and you have internal questions are there. That's right. And at least our experience on alpha tells us that many people have have some objections that come up early on in alpha, but you don't get to the heart of the matter until you're about week seven. That's a lot mm -hmm. of weeks of being together and thinking, you know, the person thinking, you know, their objections and then realizing, oh, that there's something else going on. And it, and that's part of that patient listening journey that you're on with your guests. Yeah. Wow. And how many people have, are you, you mentioned, you know, when you first started how 250 people in Vancouver, which is also amazing because of how secular the West coast is, mm -hmm. but um, how many people have gone through alpha diocese over in, in Canada? More? Yeah. In Canada, it's over 1.1 million people have taken, wow. can, taken alpha. And I just say to the staff, 35 million more to go. Let's keep it up. Keep going. <laughs> Set that bar all the way. Yeah. That's just, it's fascinating to me because, you know, as, as we've been saying, and it's, um, it's not just that our culture is even losing uh, the awareness of faith and the Christian faith. And they, some people have never even heard of Jesus. It's almost like there's this growing opposition in that um like a belief even actually among some professing professing christians that it's wrong to share your faith with somebody mm -hmm. um you know it's wrong to imply that they don't believe the right things or that they might that they might be wrong and yet there's over a million people in canada going through alpha coming willing to engage and and discuss these things and and I just, I mean, you've talked a little bit about some of that safety that's created. Um, is there anything else that you think is kind of the reason behind that of why a format like this or whether it's the content, like what is it that makes alpha work in you our know, culture? <laughs> yeah, I would say that so many people, like when they, when they think, okay, I'm gonna take another look at alpha or I'm gonna take a first time look at alpha. The way they do so is they do so by evaluating the videos. Okay, let me watch the content. And I'm like, uh, that's one, maybe fifth of what makes alpha alpha. Mm -hmm. And and so when people evaluate the videos, I'm like, you've missed actually most of the value. And so what we try saying is the reason that it's valuable is first of all, Nikki Gumbel will say somehow the Holy Spirit adopted it because there's no explanation. You could have better speakers, better uh, producers of the content, but for some reason, lots of people have tried over the years, but God keeps blessing this. And that's only his grace. We don't have a reason in the sense that why did he choose this one? And he's just uh, really blown wind into our sails. And so I would say that with Alpha, when we look at it, say, why has it gone so well? We would say, one, we really trust the Holy Spirit to be the great evangelist in our midst. So our small groups are really based on we're going to have great hospitality. We're going to love you well. We're going to show you the grace of God through our hospitality. You're going to listen to a talk. So the first component is food and a meal and hospitality and being welcomed and accepted for who you are. The talk is the second component. The third is small group discussion, which is open and facilitated, but not, you're not told as a guest that you're wrong. Mm. You're mm. honestly, people will say the craziest things and you'll say, 
that's interesting. What does anyone else think? Because what you're trying to do is create a safe environment for them. And as soon as you get someone in a small group that carries their Bible into the small group, you're like, kiss of death, kiss <laughs> of death. You cannot be in here with your Bible. Like not because we don't honor the word of God, yeah. but we're trying to make guests feel comfortable and a big old leather bound Bible is very strange to people that don't have a faith. So we're trying to create an environment where down the road, they want to know what is that book? Why mm -hmm. is it valuable? Uh, I, another component of Alpha, so you got the small group, uh, a big component of it too, is the, um, the type of people that are in the group are great at loving people. And we always say the small group should be made up of the volunteers, the person that you would trust your um, best friend to who doesn't know Jesus, would you trust them in that group? Hmm. And if you say, yes, I would, then, you know, great. You've got the right small group leaders. And if you say no way, <laughs> then, you know, you've got it wrong. So there's a, there's a number of components that make alpha really successful, but the one we point to where most people come to faith is our alpha weekend or alpha mm -hmm. day, which is about the person and work of the Holy spirit. And so we just, it's, it's a whole package of a number of components that seems to have worked together. Hmm. And, um, you know, you bring up the Holy Spirit weekend, which I know is sometimes some people who, or some churches who have looked into it, that's, that's one area where maybe they have questions or they're not sure what that means. Can you, can you say more about the yeah, Holy so, Spirit weekend? And so the three talks that people sometimes uh, are asking about the first one is who is the Holy Spirit? Well, no one has any problems with that one because they're like, yes, who is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit's been around since the beginning. Great. Uh, the second one is um, what does the Holy Spirit do? We talk about the fruit of the Spirit. We talk about kind of what the Holy Spirit does in the world today. People are like, good, we love that. The third one is called how can I be filled with the Holy Spirit? And that's where people get a bit funny, like, what does that mean? Because we talk about the supernatural gifts of the Spirit. And uh, how we run that, that weekend is after that third talk, how can I be filled with the Holy Spirit? We invite people. Would you like to, you know, come to know Jesus? And we give them a prayer, a salvation prayer. And we say to them, if you have prayed that prayer, you now have the Holy Spirit living in you. Hmm. And let's pray the oldest prayer of the church, which is come Holy Spirit. And that is literally the prayer. And it is not... Some people think maybe it's charismatic what we do. No, it's just, we open our arms and we say, come, you know, in front of us with our mm -hmm. hands open and we say, come Holy Spirit. And then we just wait on the Lord. And I've run so many of these. And this is what you look at, whether you're on Zoom or in person, you look around the room, you have your eyes open as you're leading it and you just watch the Holy Spirit move. And we have seen some of the craziest things happen. I remember on one of my alphas, uh, someone had this real strong picture of a blue W, a blue W of all the weird things. Like, why does that matter? And uh, when we, we said, does a blue W mean anything to anyone? Uh, someone in our small group started to cry. And they said, God must know me. Because the previous week, his son was diagnosed with autism. Mm -hmm. And he and his wife were so dismayed and he was on Alfie. He's like, God, I don't even know if you're real. And as he was hammering in a blue W, the middle initial of his son's name, he said, God, you better prove yourself to me. Cause right now I'm, I'm really ready to be done. I don't even know if I'm going to go back to alpha. 
And he decided to come back to Alpha. And that night we said, someone's had this picture of Blue W and we know it means something to someone. Wow. And you know, that night he came to faith because he said, no one, not even my wife knew about that. He said, no one could yeah. have told you unless if there was a God. And so we're open, right? To say, God, do you want to say something to any one of these guests? And sometimes, nope, nothing. And other times yeah. it's like, yes, here's a word or a picture. But we just leave ourselves open. And you know, the, the main response that we get is tears. And I always say tears for two reasons. One, conviction of sin right? Just like, right. oh my word, yeah. I need a savior. Oh my goodness. I need to be free from all of this junk I've done in my life. And so those people have tears streaming down their face. Cause they're like, oh my word, I need this. And then the second example that we get of tears as a response from the come Holy spirit prayer is that of a person who's got tears running down their face. And they say, I never knew I was so loved. I never knew I was so loved. So I know churches get a little bit nervous about it, but we say, give it a shot. What's the worst that can happen? What's the worst that can happen? So I often wonder that of what, what are we actually afraid of? Yeah. And if you're praying, come Holy Spirit, you're not fabricating anything. You're not saying, well, anything goes, you're, yeah. you know, you've got, you've got spiritual leaders in the room, but you are literally inviting the Holy Spirit to do what he wants in the lives of your guests. So mm -hmm. let him come do what he wants to do. Yeah. We trust him. Mm -hmm. he's good um yeah and he's and always I, glorifying jesus he's always glorifying jesus yeah yeah well and i think i mean that's that's really helpful so thank you for sharing that and what a beautiful story about that family i just i love when jesus knows exactly what we need mm -hmm. when you get to see him do that for somebody that is so beautiful um Wow. I mean, that's the, I mean, cause what you've been talking about is this, the importance of loving people to Jesus. Mm -hmm. And then it's, it's not just so that they experience our love it's so that they also experience his love. That's right. So they recognize where the love source is in us. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Daryl Johnson, who may be familiar to a number of your pastors from, mm -hmm. he was at first Baptist and uh, at Regent and Carrie. Uh, he uh, gave me the best definition of evangelism I've ever heard. And he says, evangelism is joining a conversation the Holy Spirit is already having with another person. And that's kind of the posture wow. we take. Evangelism is joining a conversation the Holy Spirit is already having with another person. And, and when we as Christians who are sitting in the pews really start to understand that and let that, that truth drop into our hearts, our minds, we get set free in evangelism. We no longer try and control it. We try and join it. Yeah, that's, oh, I love that. Because, you know, as, as, as I said, even when I appreciate you sharing that you're not super gifted at the evangelism, is it's that pressure that we feel to, oh, yeah. I have to say the right things and I need to ask the right questions and be at the perfect place, like it, to, to recognize that God is already working in someone's life. Um, it's just so freeing. Well, you're, you're not the initiator. Yes, of course. You're not the initiator. You were never the initiator. The father is the initiator and he sends the spirit. So we've got the spirit, the spirit's the initiator. Yeah. And I always say to people, who have you been praying for the longest and you've given up hope on that they'll ever come to Christ? 
do you think God's given up hope on them? Do you think the Holy Spirit's not continually trying to glorify Jesus in their lives and saying, you want to know Jesus? You want to know Jesus. I promise you, you want to know Jesus. <laughs> the Holy Spirit is doing that in the lives of every human being. And we get to join it. And so even I just had a recent example. Uh, so many people have run Alpha online. I hadn't yet as the national director. I was too busy pivoting to run right. Alpha online. And so I decided in the new year, I'm going to run Alpha online. And I'm going to live out my own advice that I give through using Daryl's quote. And so I just said, uh, Lord, I'm going to write out my little list of a few people I'd like to invite to Alpha at my church. So I wrote out a list. I think I had four people on the list. Mm -hmm. So I went through the four uh, and one immediately texted and said, God bless you. No, thank you. You know, I, I got the rejection <laughs> right away. And I was like, you know, that's really yeah. hard, right? When someone says no, and you're like, oh, because it does deflate you a bit. It also yeah. proves I'm not good at this. And then I said to God, you know what? If there's anyone else you want me to invite that you're working in their lives already and I need to join you and I just haven't thought of them, would you put them in my mind? And I will invite. And I said, anyone between now and when I start Alpha, I will invite them. And do you know, every day he put a different name in my mind. So the first one was my friend, Christine. We went to university together and literally I was driving home praying this and I just said, okay, I'll call her. So I called Christine and I said, Christine, I'm doing something. I'm running alpha, da, da, da. This is what alpha is. She said, you're not going to believe it. A week ago, I was just thinking about you and thinking, who do I know who's doing good in the world right now during COVID? And I thought of you. She's like, this is so crazy that you've called me. Yeah, I want to come. Wow. She said, can I bring some friends? Said, sure. So I just went one by one as the Lord led me. And I will confess to you, Jessica, and to your listeners, mm -hmm. it's hard. Mm -hmm. And I had one last person that I wanted to invite. And she's the least likely human being ever to come on Alpha. Like truly, least likely. I've known her for 25 years. I was terrified. Mm -hmm. And I, I knew God had put her on my heart and I kept ignoring it. And I finally, the day before Alpha started, I texted her and invited her, but it had all the caveats. I know you're this different religion. I know you're not interested in Jesus. I know, you know, kind of like, here's all your excuses to say no. Worst yeah. text invitation ever. And she texted me back and said, after 25 years of friendship, I can't believe you're still scared of me. You know, ha, ha, ha. And yes, I'll come check it out. Yeah. And that started in January. Uh, we started we're on now? week, we're on week eight. Tonight is week eight. So, oh, wow. so, you know, I just look at that and I think, God, have I been foolish enough to either think I know who the list is, who I should invite, or I've been too fearful to invite the people that you're already working in. So I'm like, man, I got to do this again. Cause who else is gonna, God going to put on my heart? Cause yeah. I invited a lot of people and some, some said yes, but just couldn't make the timing work. I'm like, well, got to do it again. And it's been phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. Wow. Well, usually when God orchestrates things, that is how it, how it goes. It phenomenal typically, is a, is it typically word. goes that way. Exactly. Oh man. It's, it's crazy how difficult it is to invite people. Oh, like, it's hard. Think about yeah. it. It should be easy. It's just, Hey, I'm inviting you to this thing, but yet there is so much fear involved. We, we have to have. I always say evangelism works some of the best muscles of faith, right? You have to pray. You have to trust God. You have to be obedient to who he puts on your heart. You have to um, 
you have to be willing to take rejection, right? You have to get over your own fear and what people will think of you. And you have to be less self-conscious, right? Like there's all these different factors that limit us being activated in evangelism and we have to get over ourselves. And so it really works the muscles of faith. And so for pastors that are thinking, how can I disciple my people during COVID? You know, put them in the deep end of evangelism and watch their faith grow. Because it does. You cannot help it. If you're activating evangelism, there are so many faith muscles that get built. Yeah. You know, you, you say that that was a, something I wondered too with Alpha when it comes to discipling our own people mm-hmm. in evangelism, which is another challenge in and of itself. Um, do you find, uh, I guess, first of all, when, when you encourage people to invite, usually does, is the idea that they come with the person who they're inviting? Yes. So we're always talking about how do churches create a culture of invitation? Because we know a couple of things. Uh, Barna just came out with research that said 52% of Christians don't know what the Great Commission is. Churchgoers. Sorry, 52, 52% of churchgoers don't know what the Great yeah. Commission is. So think about the average pastor trying to not only say you should invite to something like Alpha or church service or Easter or whatever, but how do you actually tell them this is what God would love for you to be activated in <laughs> and not do it in sort of the way that perhaps you and I might have grown up with, which was guilt, fear, you know, but rather how do you paint the picture for your congregation as a church leader that you are joining the Holy Spirit? And this, this is what God wants. And it's not just for heaven. You know, we, I don't know if you ever saw this um, show that would come to town called heaven or hell. I remember as a kid, it came to town and it was one of those scare you to death so that yeah. you come to know Jesus. Take the and, to it. Yeah. yeah. And you, and you come to know Jesus because you don't want to go to hell. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm like, somehow we forgot that actually having a faith in Jesus changes the here and now. And don't yeah. you want that for your people as well? Your friends, your neighbors. I Like my friends that are going through COVID that are struggling with anxiety, that are struggling with so many difficulties. I'm like, not that Jesus is like poof, magic. You're done with all your anxiety. No, that can happen, but that's not yeah. often the way it happens. But I just want them to know that human flourishing takes place when you know Jesus. And yeah. don't you want to actually experience all life was always intended to give you. Mm-hmm. When you come into a relationship with Jesus, it's about the here, not just the, the future. Yeah. We pray your kingdom come exactly will be done on earth and you promise abundant life yeah. here. Exactly. And so I think yeah. we've thought of evangelism as out there or we've just stopped thinking about it altogether, which is what Barna's research would tell us. And I'm, I'm quite certain in Canada, that's true. Joel Thiessen from Flourishing Congregations, his latest book, um, is so helpful when it talks about evangelism. And the reality is very few churches are engaged in evangelism in Canada. That's across all the church traditions. So we have a lot of work to do. So I think it's one step back from teaching people how to invite. It's Mm. reminding them of how good the good news is. Mm. And that it is about the now and not just the not not yet. Wow. Um, Speaking of COVID, have you, uh, you know, it's obviously a time of great crisis across the globe. Have you noticed any shift in people's openness to things of faith or just more of a a desire to hear with everything that's been going on? Has there been any change 
that just, I know you're, yeah. you're in conversations with. Yeah. I would say it's, it's in pockets of different parts of the world, first of all, and then it's mm. happening in different parts of the country based on lockdown. So when in the UK, a tier fund did some research and one in four people during COVID has been going to church. They're a very secular country, yeah. more secular than Canada. That is huge. That's a move of God, but yeah. we didn't see that in Canada. And so I had lots of questions about why we could another podcast. We could talk about why yes. prayer prayer we'll is the foundation, why prayer is the foundation of all evangelism and all work of the church. And, and are we a praying church? I mean, we could, mm. and the UK is a praying church. The UK wow. is a praying church. So they have, the ground was softened for this in Canada or the U S or other parts of the world. We did not see that kind of shift where people were now turning to the church for hope. And, and I think that's, you know, was the ground ready? Was the prayer in the decade before leading up to this being possible? But also I think um, they had such hard lockdowns in the UK in a different way than we've had. But in Canada, I will tell you that I, when I invited people, I didn't say, come explore who Jesus is and see if Christianity is for you. I, I said, <laughs> uh, are you sick of Netflix? Would you like to meet some new people and have really fascinating conversation about what people believe spiritually and how they're, how they're finding faith to help them cope in these difficult times? It's based on Christianity. Come check it out. Come along. And I cannot tell you how many people responded positively. Like I was blown away. People have said no to me for years. People that I've been too scared to invite because I thought they'd say no. I, I had no answers for them uh, are saying yes, because they may not care a hoot about Jesus or the church, but you know, when we give them an environment to see him, mm. then maybe, maybe they'll come to a faith in him. And on my alpha, I can say definitely some have become Christians. Oh, praise Jesus. Mm -hmm. Amazing. It's awesome. It is wonderful. I, I love what I get to do and I love being on the ground with it as well. Yeah. And because did I, I don't know if I read this or if I heard it somewhere um, that when, you know, back last, I, I guess a little over a year ago now, when everything was changing and we were all pivoting and you guys were pivoting, that there was a little bit of skepticism around whether the online format actually would work. Because Alpha is a very, you know, come gather around a meal, be together, totally oh, it's COVID friendly. Oh, it's yeah. an embodiment of the gospel. Like we believe in embodiment. So yeah. we did not think, Nikki Gumbel has said so many times, I was so wrong. And you know, when you have no other choice, you have to do digital engagement. Well, yeah. And I think we've all been blown away that we have watched, you know, I, I remember week two, I watched a woman come out of the video time on who is Jesus with tears running down her face. And when we went to the small group discussion, I said, you know, would anyone like to speak? And she spoke up and she said, that was the most beautiful thing I've ever heard. She'd never heard it before. She'd never heard it before. She'd never heard it before. Wow. So, you know, for me, I'm like, God, you've given us Zoom. They may not know it, but we know it. And the Holy Spirit's not limited by technology. Ain't so the truth? use yeah. it, like use it, right? We can pray yeah. for people. We can encourage people. We can evangelize people online. Sure. Would we all prefer it to be embodied in person? Of course. Yes. But listen, I would have never been able to reach friends in Toronto and Calgary on my alpha had we not had Zoom. 
that is very true. So do you think, I hope, hopefully we will be moving out of all of this soon out of COVID. Um, do you think that there will always then be a place for up yeah. online? Like, is this one of those yeah. discoveries that COVID has brought about? Absolutely. Because the what we've realized is evangelism has become very local, meaning literally your neighbors, but it's also become global. So people like me, raised in southwestern Ontario, went to university in London, Ontario, two hours from where I grew up, went to Toronto then for my first job, moved out to Vancouver, have been here for a long time. Where are my friends? They're all over the place. Yep. But for the first time in my life, I can invite them to Alpha. Why? Because it's not about my neighbors and who lives within my city that can drive to Alpha. It's about who have I relationally invested in as friends for years and decades that this is the moment I can invite them. And truthfully, the, city, the populations of the world are changing so dramatically because people are moving in cities. And so where you grew up, where you went to university and where you're working and raising your family are often three different locations but you still have relational web into lots of different places. How do you actually engage with those people in faith conversations if you don't have them online? Mm -hmm. so, so we can be uber local embodied once we're past COVID, come to my house, come to my church, do alpha, but you can also utilize it. It can be put in the hands of the lay people to say, use this with your connections that don't live in your neighborhood. Mm. Coming back again to what you said about it being about the guest and knowing what they need. And when you yeah. have that relationship, that's going to be more effective than even the close contact with someone you don't have a relationship with. Yeah. Cause it's about knowing people. Hmm. Um, so how, how have you found, so for those, you know, maybe those people there's, there's doing alpha at your church or, or online, but also just in terms of living our lives. Mm -hmm. like how do you see that playing out for regular people who are scared to share their faith, but want to start taking steps? Like what, how, how do we start getting better at that just every day? Yeah. The first step is you pray. You know, whether you are taking a break from being in front of your screen at your home office and you walk into your backyard or your front yard or out of your apartment building and you just say, okay, your kingdom come, your will be done. Lord, bless this neighborhood. Be, a, you know, make yourself known in this neighborhood, whether you prayer walk your street, whether you pray for your, a list, however it is, prayer is the foundation. So start with prayer. The second thing is then start asking, Holy Spirit, how can I join you in what you're doing? And so most mornings I wake up with a prayer on my heart, Holy Spirit, let me join you today and not miss what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And that requires all sorts of things to go right. Like can't book my schedule too full. Can't do this. Can't do that. But COVID, interestingly, I've gotten to know more neighbors. I usually travel for work. I know my neighbors really well and they know me now. So that's right. been wonderful. So I would say prayer and then again, an invitation to the Holy Spirit to say, or an invitation is coming to you from the Holy Spirit. And are you available to that? Say, I'll, I'll go where you want me to go today. I'll say what you want me to say today. And then the third thing is then when something at your church comes along that you think you could invite to, again, an Easter service, Alpha, something like that, then you just have to be bold. Lord, who should I invite? And when he tells you, you do it. Even if you're terrified like me, That's right. you do it. With fear and trembling. 
with fear and trembling because you can't possibly botch an invitation if the Holy Spirit is leading that person to come. It doesn't matter how badly you say it, they'll come. Mm -hmm. The Holy Spirit loves watching us make terrible, terrible mistakes and then still see people come to know Jesus. Like, (laughs) I don't know how some strategies work or we botch them. Mm-hmm. And then God says, I love that you tried, Jessica. Well done. Well done. And then you're shocked when they say yes. Or if they say no, you're like, that's okay. Mm-hmm. It built a little bit more resilience in me. I'm ready. I can call the next person. Right. It wasn't the time. I feel like that needs to be said over and over again. That you oh, can't do I ever. botch the invitation. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yes, of course we can give it. you tools. We can help you. We can say, here's some words you could use, make them your own. Like all those things are helpful tools. But at the end of the yeah. day, do you believe the Holy Spirit is the one who's going to bring them? You just get to play a part in that. If you do, when someone says no, you're like, well, okay, not their time. And if someone says yes, you say, praise God. Thanks for using me. That's right. It's all you God. It's always all him. We just forget. <laughs> Yeah. And then we botch things and we'll remember, we remember. That's right. Cause it still works. We're like, Oh, right. Cause it's not me. <laughs> it's not me. <laughs> and I remember that I run alpha Canada. I think about evangelism every day and I still yeah. stumble over myself. See, that's encouraging to hear for people <laughs> like me. Yeah. And well, I'm, sure I'm actually more people listening. I'm more like you, Jessica, than you might imagine. I, I just think Jesus is so wonderful that I want the Mm. world to know. And if you want to be activated in evangelism, understanding it's the Holy Spirit's work is number one. Praying is number two. And three, making sure Jesus becomes better and better in your heart and your mind. If those three things are happening, evangelism will start to come more naturally to you. Yeah, I know. I saw, um, I think it was a Barna study as well that was when they were looking at millennial generation and and they they said that I don't know if it was close to 50% or just over 50% who who were in that group that believe that it's wrong to share your faith and I, I remember that just struck me so I thought oh we have all these young people in the church who are not just scared but they think it's wrong which can you know I, I just go well what who is Jesus to them Mm-hmm. because when we know how good and wonderful Jesus is, it's the greatest gift of love that we could give somebody. Well, interestingly, because Alpha USA uh, actually sponsored that, that research okay. on evangelism in the U.S. And so interestingly, when you dive deeper into the data, actually what they're saying is the type of evangelism that mm. previous generations have done, I'm not interested they feel That's like it's, good. they feel like it's Bible bashing. They feel that it's like my way or the highway. Um, they feel like there's no room for conversation. And so in the research, there's two key findings that talked about if you're willing to journey with people and allow them to say anything, you mm-hmm. know, and then they're, and that they'll be listened to, mm-hmm. then they're willing to bring people. That's so important. But it's the style to and hear that. format. It's the style and format that may have worked in previous generations that's not working in the hands of our millennials and Gen Z. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's almost a fear of um, that we have to correct people's thinking when they say something that we're like, no, that's not right. 
Um, but, but we know that the Holy Spirit can take care of it. So absolutely. I, it's yeah. the hardest thing for Christian because we've been taught in apologetics, which is a good thing, by the way. Mm -hmm. We've been yeah. taught the word of God. That's a very good thing, essential thing. Yeah. But here's what we forget. Like, why do they care what Jesus said if they don't believe in Jesus? Yeah. So to me, I, I've read, run so many alpha groups where a Christian person has volunteered to be part of it. I've trained them. I've said, okay, this is what you can or can't say. And I can't tell you every week they'll say to me, that person said that. Why did you let them get away with saying that? So I'll tell you one on my alpha. This <laughs> literally last week happened. We turned off the video and one of the young women in the group said, is it right that you can't have sex outside of marriage? If you're a Christian, like, you know, as a young person, the rest of the group says, oh, that's old fashioned. Oh, just ignore it. Right. Yeah. And this is me. I'm the small group leader. And I just mm -hmm. said, that's interesting. What does anyone else think? It's not my job to correct that thinking at this point. It's mm -hmm. my job to help them know Jesus so that they can see what Jesus taught as they follow him. Right. Because but that's a live example. <laughs> that's a live example. Now, if you get emails, Jessica, I hope they'll email you and complain about my, my, uh, my problem. But, but it really is that's, that's the alpha way, right? As we just say, that's interesting because we believe the Holy Spirit's the great evangelist and the Holy mm -hmm. Spirit, Spirit brings conviction. And yeah. as he does, we walk alongside these people and disciple them. But at the very beginning, they don't even know if they want to put their lives and faith in Jesus. It's hard to, to trust someone with lordship over your life if you don't know them. Why? would I give you permission to declare what I can and cannot do if I don't know you or trust you? Yeah. And we do forget that. Yeah. We I, don't want know, them I... to follow the law before they know who gave the law, who loves them. Yeah. And that the law isn't a stick over their backs. <laughs> right. Right. It's a gentle yoke. <laughs> oh man. Well, uh, yeah, it's just so, so good and so important. You know, we see the, the, the numbers, the statistics in our nation of the secularization and those who don't even associate with any faith whatsoever are growing so fast. Um, so I love that there is, I, I guess it's, there's hope. When I, when I hear There's, these stories and you know, there, we, there is something we can do. We don't just have to go, oh, well, let's just bunker down in our churches and bubble up because people don't want to hear it anymore. Like, no, can, God is still can you imagine? Can you imagine if the apostle Paul said that huh. or John, like we wouldn't were, be here. He was on Patmos. John was on Patmos, right? Yeah. And had a message for the church and the message for the people. You know, Paul, like in jail, so much of his Christian life in jail, writing letters, uh, speaking to his jailers, going to places where he was going to be arrested for proclaiming Christ in their, in their temples. Like if we, you know, for us to think hunker down, people won't like me if I share Jesus. Oh my yeah. goodness. We have a long way to go. If we're worried about people won't like me and they may reject the message. Uh, people we know, Paul were jailed. Patmos for John. Like, mm -hmm. 
We are far, far cry from that. We have an opportunity. Do not bunker down. Go scatter yourselves amongst the people and love them well and proclaim Jesus through your words and your deeds. Yes. Knowing people, loving them, and being the safe person that they can actually ask questions of. Oh, that's amazing. Um, So I wanted to, you know, we're been talking for a while here. Um, one of the other things that I just, it was one of, this is one of my curious things, because we, we live in Canada where it is very multicultural. Like we really do have all the nations here and our communities are multicultural and some more so than others, depending on where you are. But it's something that, you know, I think is, is we have to be considering as we're, we're wanting to reach our communities. Um, and I was, as I was reading on the Alpha website, it, I know it mentioned that this is used across the world, many, many languages, but mm-hmm. am I writing that it's the same content? Yes. So, so it's been dubbed and translated. Yeah. So you can get it in Swahili. You can get it in French or Quebec, not just Francophone French. Uh, you can get it um, in Spanish. You can get it in Arabic. Yeah. Lots of languages. I think we have 90 something languages. That's amazing. So there obviously is something very universal mm-hmm. about these questions that are being addressed and the discussion mm-hmm. topics um, that speaks to those universal questions in the yeah. human heart. Are there any um, adaptations or considerations that, that need to be taken into account that you found when working in different cultural environments? Well, you know, everybody always has to get into account, like if you're doing it for a Latin American community, you know that your start time is not your start time, right? (laughs) You know, if you say we start at six, they'll show up at 7.30. And so, you know, you're very fluid with your start times. Uh, But you also know the meal will take much longer because people are used to sitting around. So it depends on, is it a warm culture, right? That makes a difference. So yes, there's always cultural nuances. And that's why when I said earlier in the podcast, Alpha's made up up of a, a number of components. So just translating the one video mm-hmm. for them to watch is just one of the components. So that's why translation, when people say, oh my goodness, that works. Well, yeah, it's one component. The rest is all done in their language. That's so it, again, one, I think that's kind of encouragement um, to those who are wanting to reach the different cultures in their community, that there is, um, you know, that universal message, but that the main important thing then is getting to know them. Yeah. So then you know that we need to have a fluid start time and a really long meal, or we know yeah. um, we know how to love them. Yeah. And then the content. We works. we always knew that with our alpha at my church, when we served meals and did it kind of banquet style, where like people could come and grab as much food as they want. It was fabulous. That food. sounds so foreign now. Oh, I know. I'm even just saying the word banquet. I'm like, does anyone even say banquet anymore? But <laughs> but we, we had all this wonderful food, but we always knew we have Asians. So we should really have rice. We should always mm-hmm. have rice because we had so many Asians mm-hmm. and um, they don't feel like they've had a real meal if they've missed rice. So, you know, all those cultural sensitivities, we ended up with lots of people from Latin America. So we tried to, we tried to think about what would they like? What would make them feel comfortable? Yeah. Well, when we're comfortable... We're so much more open to conversations. And it's a way of saying we love you because we thought of you. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Um, So 
before we kind of wrap up, there was, mm-hmm. I wanted to kind of pull back again, sure. just in terms of leaders in the church, which this yes. is, you know, it's, it's hard to be a leader these days. There's a lot of opposition from outside the church, sometimes inside it. And then of course, all the tough things happening in the world. Um, and you are a leader in the church as well. So I, I had two questions actually that I wanted to ask you. One is how can we at Fellowship Pacific be praying for you and what you're doing? Um, and then also, what is it that gives you hope? Like what keeps you going and persevering day after day? Well, the answer might be the same for both things. So I'll give you the answer to the first question about how can you pray for me, which is very kind. Thank you, Jessica. Uh, Whenever anyone says to me, how can I pray for you? I say, please pray that I'd be a woman who sits and learns at the feet of Jesus. Mm. Everything good stems from that. Everything good. So that's Bible open at the feet of Jesus, learning from Jesus through the power of his spirit. And I'm telling you, my best leadership ideas my most um, compelling reasons for doing the work, the ability to be in ministry and still be as positive as I've ever been is because I'm a woman who's learning to sit at the feet of Jesus. Mm. And I'm a Martha. I'm an activator. For those who know uh, my types of personalities, like that is just not my normal. But let me tell you, it's where everything good comes from. Uh, So that's my prayer request is that God would just make me more of a woman who loves to sit at the feet of Jesus and learn through the word of God and through him speaking to me. This, so the second thing in that is, you know, where do I get encouragement and hope feet of Jesus, right? The word of God. Um, But also for the next generation, lots of people have despair when they think about younger millennials, Gen Z. I get so excited. They're so amazing. I see so much potential in them. So I get hope for the future of the church. Many people will be despairing, but I have great hope. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah, there is uh, nothing like a young adult on fire for Jesus. Exactly. It, it spreads on actually like wildfire. It does. It yeah. does. And we should be coming alongside of them. So if you're getting a little bit older like I am, or if you're much mm-hmm. older than me, adopt a Gen Z. Mm-hmm. love them pray for them bake for them take them out for food when you're allowed to in covid uh <laughs> meet with them text them yeah. message them love them and you will be blessed yeah life on life we we've been more and more uh doubling down on that for sure at fellowship pacific we got a, a whole mentorship initiative starting up in a couple months and it's just that realization that we need a lot more life on life. Exactly. Passing things on to the younger generation, but also, I don't know, I because I am reconciling myself to the fact that I'm not a young adult. <laughs> You're not anymore. Gen Z. You're not I'm Gen not Z Gen anymore. Z. <laughs> Definitely not. Um, but I learned so much from them. That, like I said, that fire is contagious. Yeah. And so it is definitely a blessing to us as well. Oh, well, thank you so much, Shayla. You're for so welcome. On. This has been so good. And I, uh, I know this is going to be such a blessing to our, our listeners and our churches. Uh, anything else that you want to say? Yeah, I'll just we say we're, we're praying for the church in Canada. We mm-hmm. pray uh, every day together, Monday through Friday as a staff. And we pray for churches by name. 
I think last year we prayed for 800 churches. Like we are just all in for serving the church. So if we can support any church, please be in touch. If we can pray for you, never hesitate to reach out to us. We love to pray because prayer is the foundation for us. Amen. And uh, if they were going to reach out to you, where should they do that? They could do it on our website, alphacanada.org. We have live chat. There's always people available to help you. And then you can find us on social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, you know, send us a direct message and let us know that you heard this podcast and you want to be prayed for, or you want to learn more and we'll be on it. Awesome. All the places. We'll make sure we put notes to all of those in our great website as well. Well, great. Well, thank you, Shayla. This has been fantastic. Thanks, Jessica. God bless. Thanks for listening to today's episode. Are you feeling encouraged and inspired to join in on the conversations the Holy Spirit is already having with the people around you? I hope so. And I hope you'll take Shayla up on her offer and reach out to the Alpha Canada team if there's any way they could help support you and your church as you continue to engage in mission in your communities. We'll put all the links for where you can reach them in our show notes. And of course, our team here at Fellowship Pacific is always here for you as well. We are fully committed to serving and supporting you. So if there is anything you need, don't hesitate to reach out. You can find a list of the resources we have available as well as contact information for our whole team on our website, www.fedpacific.ca.